It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flowtrack Podcast. I'm Kevin. He is Gordon. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. You can subscribe to the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube page. I am in Fayetteville, Arkansas currently. Although, if you're watching or listening, it's no different because Gordon and I are never in the same place when we record the show. We are always separated via an internet connection. But, uh, Gordon, how are you doing today? Doing good. Uh, I won't even bring up why I'm in a good mood. Because you don't like it when I talk about the certain thing in my life that brings joy. Uh, it has to do with <laughs> basketball and the city of Philadelphia. But okay. let's not talk about that. Let's talk about our sponsor, good old Hoka. There it is. Gordon holding up the CLOX, holding up the MD right there. Hoka is sponsoring the podcast. I'm holding up the the LD here, the orange ones. Um, the CLOX is the name of the shoe. They're powered by the propulsion of carbon. CLO MD for mid-distance, LD for long-distance. Remember, the website is hoka.com, Hoka Faster Forward. I brought, as promised, the shoe to Fayetteville. But what did I do, Gordon? I brought the right shoe this time because I wanted to be fair. The left shoe got to go to Raleigh. I wanted to make sure the shoes knew I appreciated them both equally. So this is the right shoe's turn. So the right spike got the call and is now with me in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Have you know shoes can't don't have feelings, right? Like they can't talk. They, just, they don't have feelings. You keep telling me that, and I keep disagreeing with you. Um, while we're here, I want to bring up one thing before we get started. And we're going to go over the NCAA stuff later, right? Really fast. It took a lot to get into the NCAA meet, correct? Um, your yes. favorite runner, yes. your favorite runner from Stanford, who you want oh. to put on the U.S. team, but is British. A uh, gentleman by the name of Charles Hicks. He He's in the meet, correct? Yeah, he uh, qualified in the 3K, I believe. Let me double check. Late, yeah, they had a last-minute qualification. Yeah, him and Cole Sprout both qualified. Yeah, 3K. Okay. So you think, So you think, based on that information, that it's a good week for Charles Hicks, correct? Things are going well? Yeah, I mean, he wasn't in any... Any event, and then last chance meet, he got in. 
Things could take a turn, though, because my cameraman, our colleague, Brian Dybel, has identified one of Charles Six's Strava segments here in Fayetteville, and either today, tomorrow, or Wednesday, is going to try to get his Strava segment. So things might be turning for Charles Hicks. It might not all be great news for him if a washed-up uh, former mile split current Flow Sports employee is able to get one of the segments. So stay tuned. We'll have an update on that on Wednesday. Um, you know Brian. You think he's going to be able to do it? Well, you're putting the cart before the horse here, man. You're, you're, you're announcing that he's going to defeat this Strava segment. We I'm confident. You're, there's a lot of confidence. How long is this Strava segment? That's the real question. Is it just a block where you can just kind of <laughs> hop and skip no, and I think, finish it? I think it's just under a mile, this particular segment. And it's at a quick pace. Okay. It's at a quick pace. I could not do it. You could not do it. Let's just say that. Um, the okay. other thing I want to announce, we're recording our bonus pod for members right after this one. We're going to talk about ways to fix indoor track. I'm going to lob some ideas to Gordon. I, I wrote them down on this notepad right here. I'm not going to show everybody the notepad. Got to subscribe for that info, folks. Uh, and then Gordon's going to tell me where I'm wrong or where I'm right. So uh, subscribe if you want to get that bonus pod. For subscribers, you'll get it, uh, well, basically as soon as, it, as soon as it posts. It's our February offering. Um, I saw we got another member of Kevin's Kings joining the group now. So we're looking solid. That roster is, is pretty good. We got two folks now. So join if you haven't yet. Get the bonus content, all the you know the custom emojis and the and the gifts and all that that fun stuff. So let's get into the show though. Um, we're gonna talk about USA's. We're gonna talk about college stuff, but first we gotta start with Josh Kerr running a three forty eight mile. That's a pretty big deal. Was targeting the British record in the fifteen in the mile. You said, Gordon, give you some credit. You said not only is he gonna break, he's gonna smash it. He's gonna go well under it. And at about halfway, when the pacer stepped off, that didn't look like to be in the cards. It looked like hey. He's going to struggle just to get 352, but he turned things up the last four laps, dropped an insane negative split to go 348.87. So now he's only behind Kajelka and Garouge on the all-time list. We knew he was in good shape because of Milrose, didn't get the win there, but you put him on the fast track of BU, his aggressive style of racing. Makes sense now, in retrospect, that he was able to, to get it done, but 348, still... An eye-popping time for Josh Kerr. Yeah, once again, the fact that he went out in 156 and ends his uh, his venture with a 348 is very impressive. Typically, yeah, when you're going for these extreme marks like a sub 350, you got to put it all out there in the opening, you know, half mile, just hold on for the record. And he did the exact opposite. He just like. He yeah. said, "Wait, hold, he said, hold my beer at the 800 meter mark, and then went for it and got to the yeah. 348. Very impressive. Also broke the 1500 meter record in route 332. But it's all about the 348 here. And uh, he, he was, he was confident, man. Like, yeah. I wa I watched the. Sometimes I like watching track meets on silent for some. I don't know because I'm like doing other things. I was watching mm -hmm. uh, a certain basketball game." the same time those sixers yeah so i had that game on and then i was watching this race on silent and yeah when i was watching the second half of the race when he was by himself i was like it looks like he's struggling it looked like he was mm -hmm. hitting a wall i was like oh these he's gonna run like 353 but then i yeah. looked at with the lap to go i was like wait a minute he just needs to run like 30 seconds and he's gonna break the record 
wait, he's probably yeah. gonna close quicker than that. And I was kind of like, my the visual did not meet what the time was for some reason. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's because he was by himself for a majority of that second half because yeah, he had to do it. all that work. Sure, he had his teammate Walid Suleiman, you know, rabbit him through the first half of the race, but he was all alone. No one was really with him. Typically, a lot of the times during these quicker races, you might have like three people yeah. who are kind of single file in the second half of the race. But no, it was just him by himself with his own thoughts, just chasing a mark. And it was hell of impressive. 348, again, we know yeah. shoes. As you can see, they point out the shoes there, the, the Brooks shoes. Uh, that's always going to be the asterisk that people put on all fast times. But man, he did that solo, number three all time in the world. Only Kajelch is the only one who go in the 347s. It's impressive. Yeah. And Josh Kerr, man, Josh Kerr, Oliver Hoare, these uh, NCAA born and bred athletes who are not from America are lighting it up on the on the world stage. And exciting to see what he does and what Oliver does, you know, this upcoming yeah. summer. And podcasters too. NCAA yes, former champions turned podcasters are exceptional milers. The reason I don't think it looked that fast in those latter stages is because the acceleration came from lap four to lap five because he goes from a 29 low to a 27 and then he stays at a 27. Like that's where the record was broken. The record was broken in laps five and lap six and he did actually slow in seven and eight, but he didn't get back into the 29s. And by that point, he was moving. Um, I talked about it on, on This Week in Track, which you can find on our YouTube page as well, too. The level of confidence you have to have going into a race to write British record on your spikes is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The only <laughs> level up you could go from here is if he had the sh- – I guess if he did a TO and he had the Sharpie in his sock, that wouldn't have been as confident because then if the race ends and you don't get the British record – you can just forget all about it. Like he puts it on his shoe in permanent marker before the race starts. And we know Kerr, he's a confident guy. And, but it's one thing to say you're going to do it. And it's one thing, a whole other thing to write it down physically on your shoe before you run. I mean, this is, this is the sign of a man who is very, very, very sure of his abilities. Um, and I love it. I love it. I think it's a, uh, it made indoors really fun this year, and I'm excited for more battles outdoors between him and Hoare. And then, you know, going outside of the U.S.-based athletes, Ingebrigtsen's and Chariots of the world. You know, can they close that gap? Is it going to be um, Ingebrigtsen and Chariot just this year, or ha- have Kerr and Hoare proven this indoor season that they can they can close that gap? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really excited for Hora and Kerr to race Ingebrigtsen for the first time whenever we're going to get it, yeah. whether it's April, May, June. I hope it's soon, and I hope it's often. Um, yeah. We, is Oliver Hora going to World Indoors? I, I know Kerr's you know? not. I don't, I don't remember Kerr, what, what Hora Kerr's said. not, right? So, yeah. yeah, I guess we need – doesn't that kind of suck, man? Like, Josh Kerr's totally sucks. 348 and he's like oh yeah i'm not i'm not going to yeah. race but you know it's, it's just, so, it sucks ingebrigtsen's 330.6 that's pretty close to 348 in a mile i mean it's a, it's faster equivalent different tracks different setups but in the same 
in the same ballpark. The amount of people who could time trial a 348 right now in the mile indoors, pretty short list of folks. And I think Ollie Hoare could go faster because Ollie Hoare runs the 350 at Milrose, not at BU, and runs it in a regular type race. Yeah, there was a rabbit, but it wasn't set up like this. Kerr is just fun. These guys are so much fun because they don't need anybody else to make it happen. The fact yeah. that the rabbit could leave and then he starts dropping 27s is wow, man. That's nuts. That's absolutely nuts. Um, let's talk about another distance guy, though. Let's go to the U.S. champs. We're going to bounce around a little bit here because with all this top-level competition, it wasn't just like, oh, the U.S. champs dominated everything. Like There was, there was big times, big performances everywhere. Cole Hawker gets the, the double. He goes, um, wins the 3,000 on Saturday, and then the 1,500 on Sunday. 1,500 got a little bit easier because Cooper Tier had to withdraw from the meet because of COVID. Um, but still, Hawker got it done again with this double. The 15 was tougher. He had to really claw that last 50 to get by Josh Thompson. Um, 3K more more to form is did anything here surprise you from Cole Hawker not really man this was the most unsurprising double typically when you see doubles at indoor championships you're like whoa you're you're like I remember seeing Shelby doing it when Paul Chalimo was doing it uh, a bunch of other athletes seeing them double you're like you are like the star of running in the U.S. for like this year but yeah, there was just so much expectation that Cole Hawker was just clearly better than everyone else in that field. And then once yeah. Cooper Tier pulled out, it became even more obvious. I mean, I, I don't think this double happens if Cooper Tier is racing in the 1500. I think Cooper would have won the 15. Um, you know, let's put on a tinfoil hat. Maybe. Uh, don't put on your tinfoil Maybe uh, Cole Hawker <laughs> found a way to like put a little COVID in his, you know, his hot tea late last night the night before not, me not how like, it works not not how that works that's not how it works no not how it works COVID pill or something what? like that so what do you think um watching the 1500 i was struck by a couple things it didn't go that fast and these guys have been pushing it this year particularly guys uh like colby alexander did you think like midway pull up hawker's placing here he was buried for a bit there do you think because he was coming back for the double, do you think there was an opportunity for the rest of the field here to really like put their foot down and they missed it? Because I mean, he was in 10th place. You're looking at 700, he was at 10th place and then moved up. Even in, even with 500 to go, or sorry, with 600 to go, he was in, in sixth place. I thought that like Thompson and those guys in win, like their best chance would have been a you know, a 333 type race, 334 type race. But it just became inevitable really quickly. But for a while, that Hawk was pretty far back. Do you think, and I saw afterwards, Thompson said he was surprised by Hawker coming up on him on the outside. I don't know how anybody can be surprised by a Cole Hawker kick at this point. Like, is there anything they could have done to beat him? Because when I was watching, I found myself saying like, hey, middle of the race, this guy's pretty far back and he's got a 3K in his legs. He might be vulnerable here, but you got to get got to get the pace going. D did you see any of that, or do you think it was just Hawker was going to move regardless of where the pace went? No, I don't think a fast pace would have changed anything. I think Hawker would have okay. moved up at 
just adapted to whatever pace it was going to be. Hawker is not a person where I look at him like he only can handle specific styles of races. I mean, as from what I see right now, I mean, maybe that will change. I've yet, we don't, Hawker has yet to show that he can handle like 330 races, right? Like 330, 329 races, but that's, you know, crazy Monaco level. It's pretty much everybody. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he shows that he can handle 335s and 340 type races. Yeah. I think the only way they, I don't think the only way Hawker would have lost this race is if the dynamics of an indoor track with it only being 200 meters and just shuffling around, if there was like a barricade created where he wasn't able to get around a certain athlete mm -hmm. and it kind of just staggered his stride a bit and lost a little bit of momentum. And then someone like Thompson took advantage of that. Cause Thompson, you know, he only lost by like 0.1. It wasn't like yeah. a blowout pulling yeah. away. That I think if there was a little more pushing and shoving on an indoor track, maybe that would have been a way for Thompson to have enough real estate to, to pull it off. He needed every inch to, to get past him. That's why I thought, man, if you just put a little bit more into him in the first half of that race, then you could have had a different result. Just, and because he was coming off a 3K and Thompson wasn't. Some of the, most of these other guys weren't and Alexander, probably not, you know, not, not his best race. We've seen him run uh, really fast this year angles. Like, I think you needed someone really just to go for it and try to string it out, but you, you could be right. He could have just figured out whatever the game plan was and, and rolled with it comfortably, but he gets the double. Has he, I don't think he's announced yet whether or not he's running. Do you think he's going to run worlds? That fact that that question is being spoken mm -hmm. is sad for our sport he doesn't really announce it yet do you think he's running worlds what what are we having well, a world what are we having a usa championship for if like we have that i'm not criticizing you i'm just like it's just criticizing our sport how we like we don't know there's like a, are they are they not i don't know maybe do they have the standard do they don't all this stuff well so there's there's two parts to it there's the part that we talked about last week it's like who's going to show up to the meet and the second part is who's going to actually go to worlds and people forget about the second part sometimes because they get so upset yeah. about people not being there that there's this whole group of other people and it's not a it's not a huge number but even if it's three people turning down spots it's pretty crazy because that doesn't happen outdoors at all so i don't know and usually when people say i don't know right after that turns into a no because if it was a yes you'd say yes and then you'd get right into you know team processing and doing all that stuff but or you pass it to the next person down and then you let them know I don't know. I'm. If he runs a 15, you can see him against Ingebrigtsen. I guess you can see him against Ingebrigtsen in the three. And the three is going to be crazy, too, because we know how good Ethiopia has been this year in, in the 3,000. That with Aragawi and, and um, Gurma, Borrega, Wale, that like whole, whole crew. Like they have a bunch of people to choose from. You have the Spanish guys in Katir and McCall. It's going to be a good race. I think at world indoors in the three and it could be a good one in the 15 as well too, especially if um, we get most of that, that top five or at least some of that top five. So I don't know. That's why I was asking. I legitimately don't know. Um, all right, let's move on though. Brazier, Donovan Brazier. What a weekend for Donovan <laughs> Brazier. I'm sure, I'm sure people have heard the, uh, Oh wow. Travis has got this screenshot here. So listen, uh, you can step on the line. 
You can't step over the line. That's that that's that new that new rule, right? But you can only do it you can only do it once. So he's not completely over the line here. Anyway, let me back up. He got DQ'd in the prelim. He appealed. It was denied. He found out about it after the 800 had taken place. So basically he went from running two races to getting knocked out in the first round and not having an opportunity to run any race. Then on Sunday morning, the morning of the 400-meter final, he was reinstated because they said there was new video evidence. He gets back in, gets second in his heat, so he makes it. And he said he is going to the World Indoor Championships behind Trevor Bassett from Ashland, who ran a great race um, there in second. This is another thing where I just feel like it's Groundhog Day. We always have a DQ controversy, either indoors or outdoors, particularly indoors. We all, always have a lot of people getting disqualified. We always have a very convoluted appeals process where we don't, no one actually knows what's going on with it. I don't know if you want to talk about that or you just want to focus on the race. Because at a certain point, it's like you talk about the DQ long enough. It's like you realize you're just having the same con uh, conversation over and over again. I didn't think, I mean, 46. I mean, heading into the season, I wouldn't think 46 low would get him there, but it did. But it did, partly because of what the field ended up being um, in this race. So, heck, he's on a world team, though. Yeah. Uh, to, to answer your DQ question, um, first of all, you're all right in Groundhog Day, especially around Donovan. Donovan got DQ'd at World Indoors in 2018. And right. it's like, yeah. you got to be kidding me. Um, and he was supposed to win that year. Like that was like a year he probably could have won. Um, tinfoil hat. Do you think Another there's one. any little bit of thumb, putting your thumb on the scale in favor for Brazier to get his DQ overturned? Cause they knew, Hey man, this is world champion. Clearly he, this, this millimeter of a toenail is not why he qualified in the, in the first round. What are we doing here? Like, do you think there's a little bit of like, what are we doing here? Are we really gonna use a millimeter of a toenail to, uh, yeah, well, not let our world champions then, go to worlds? And then you, he can't because the way the sport works, he doesn't find out about it until his other race has already passed. So then he can't run in the other race. But the problem with that is it's just like you have to have a rule that you stick with because then someone else is really going to abuse it to their full advantage. And then you're going to have say, well, that person should be just DQ'd. And they're going to say, well, no, you didn't DQ this person. I don't know. I don't know what the new video evidence was. We've done this game before, literally with that phrase, new ev video evidence was introduced. It's, it's if like a civilian on the street, like had like, there's like, or there's like CCTV camera footage that they're, that they're pulling, that they're not normally looking at to determine if they're DQ'd, I don't know. It's it overshadows a bit from the actual event. I, I'm with you. He would have qualified regardless. Do you think the new video evidence could have been a new argument in that? Hey, you DQing my athlete screwed up him from being able to run in the 800. So therefore, that's you need to make evidence. that up and put him back in the 400. It's not, that's not video evidence. So I know, but all right. Know, here's my theory: one thing and do another thing behind closed doors. So his here's the wild part. Donovan Brazier could win World Indoors in the 400. Let's pull up the oh, indoor yeah, 100%. list this year. Let's pull 100%. up the indoor list this year. 
You have They're all in college. One in the world. Exactly. Randolph Ross. Look at all these Americans. Yeah. Bassett is the only guy who beat him. Number eight all time. So you have Bonavasia of Netherlands, who's run, who ran well last year. He's a legit threat. And he's right now run quite a bit faster than Brazier. But this world indoors. There's DQs, there's wild things, people scratch. We don't know. Like there's a path, there's a path for Brazier to actually win he's world indoors in the foreign. Yeah. yeah. Now, what will it mean? I have no idea because look at the list of champions of world indoor 400s. It's not exactly the same podium that you're going to get the Olympics or world championships. The issue for Brazier, and this is not a surprise, is his start. And it's funny <laughs> because he's known as a fast 800-meter guy. But compared to these 400-meter guys, he is so far behind at 100. And then he just claws back and claws back and claws back. And then that last 50, he makes really good work of it. In NBA circles, Gordon, there was a theory that Ben Simmons is shooting with the wrong hand, and that explained his shooting woes. I watched this race with Donovan Brazier, and I thought, would Donovan Brazier be faster without blocks? When I watched the start, I thought it might be time for him to forego the blocks. Because As a, how uh, much block fellow... work is this guy doing? How much block work is he actually None. doing, and you're putting him in blocks? I don't know if it would make him faster just to get rid of it and just run. I know I shouldn't compare a world-class athlete to a former Division Three 400-meter runner and myself, but I was an 800-meter runner training throughout all high school and college, but then I got good at the 400, and I would do the four, open 400, and I was the only one who didn't use blocks. And then one time I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to learn blocks. And I tried it. Yeah. Once or twice, and I was like, this is not comfortable. I My body isn't used to the, the positioning yeah. of, of blocks. If you're a sprinter, it comes natural. Oh, God, don't put a block <laughs> on I hope people are watching on YouTube. Travis found. Oh, God. Wow, a young Gordon Mack. Young, young Gordon. Uh, but it is a legit thing. If you don't <laughs> normalize block training into you your regular You look like a villain in a high of, school drama. Oh, God, stop it. If you don't... Uh, <laughs> like the bad kid like the guy who's like on the are you in euphoria who steals a girlfriend <laughs> yeah okay stop it um but what i'm saying is if you're not used to blocks it, it's a very uncomfortable feeling and i bet you donovan was probably uncomfortable he probably could have got an extra 0.2 or 0.3 of a second you know i don't know Sorry, I can't why why do you have photo. this photo up still? Yeah. Okay, we don't need to see the this same photo over and over. No, again. this is this is terrific. Who are you guys? I going never aged this week. I got a race against aged. Gordon Mack from Liberty High. The Gordon Mack. Liberty High. That's that guy's high school. That guy's ferocious. Thirteen uh, reasons why. Um, okay, so here. Okay, so yeah, I agree. Me, he shouldn't me, wear. He shouldn't I, use blocks. He shouldn't use blocks. I agree. He said afterwards in an interview, he's like, you know, Coach Holloway at Florida had been giving him advice because i don't think the slow when you look at oh he's starting slow brazier's pretty damn quick i don't think it's just a case of him not these got these and obviously some of these quarter guys are going out too fast too right that's part of it like going out in 21 what did so bassett went 21 3 right and then so he goes like 21 and then 24 so that that's part of it too but I think with Brazier, it's almost like when I watched him start, it's almost like his, his whole momentum was just thrown off by, um, by, by coming out the blocks. So 
I think he he has a chance to improve just based on that. Um. <laughs> I also think a strategy I'll... that he should do if he does go to Worlds, which he is, Sorry, is purposely say. try to get in the second heat because normally these finals are two mm-hmm. two heat finals. Yeah, try to get in the slower heat of the two so you can uh, have the ability. Yeah. To not be like surrounded by a bunch of people running 21 seconds. You have like the second tier. I don't know. Could be another strategy. The chat says you look like Nate from Euphoria. So this this segment is taking a turn. I, I love where uh, Travis photos. <laughs> but yeah, I think I would expect him to run. Like, I think he can run faster than 46. Like, what, like obviously oh, yeah. he can, right? 100%. I mean, like, I'm, but even, even, what's his, pull up his PBs? Or season best at least. I mean, it was forty six. Has he broken forty six indoors? Did I, what did he run at Milrose? I'm totally forgetting. Oh, that was okay. That was a season. So that was faster than Milrose. I don't know. I just I think he can go quicker. I think he can go go quicker. I just I know it's a, a trick trickier outdoors indoors. But um, so him and Bass are gonna go. I mean, he's gonna get on the four by four, which is what he wanted to. There was a for a while though. There was like this disaster scenario. With Brazier, where it's like, I didn't run the eight because I wanted to get on the four by four relay at the very least, and maybe run the four by four individually. And the only thing that could have gone wrong and that that would have scuttled everything would have been a first round DQ, and that's literally what happened because it took him out of the individual four, took him out of the relay four, and it took him out of the eight. So basically, his indoor season was completely over for several hours, and then he gets reinstated. And then now he gets to finish the season on his terms. Again, I still don't know what any of this means in terms of Brazier in the 800 at all. I tend to think he's still number one in the world just based on that 600-meter time. But this 400-meter at World Championships is not going to be – again, it's not going to be the Olympic trials level. It's not going to be the World Championship final level. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's guys – Ross is you know, running. 44 mid right now. Or he's going to run 44 mid for, for A&T. So, all right. Pretty wild. Um, Christian Coleman I want well, Before we get to – okay. We can do it. We'll talk about it later. No, go okay, ahead. Cool. Go ahead. No, it's fine. We'll go Coleman. Go Coleman. 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 Christian Coleman, 645. I think that's what we tagged as the over-under, didn't we? Or I said that he'd be happy with 645. Um, it ties the world lead, although that world lead – that was sitting there from Terrence Jones came in a race where we thought he perhaps false started. So that puts him, puts him at the top of the list. Um, Bracey debuts with a 648, which I thought was a really good sign for him equals his season best. So the U S will send uh, Bracey and Coleman pending any changes to, to Serbia. Bracey gave Coleman a closer race than I thought. But I think that's a good thing for Coleman as he heads into World Indoors. It's good that he got used to someone being right there because Jacobs is going to run at that level. Jacobs has run 647 before. He hasn't this year, but he's going to run around at that level where Bracey is. I still contend once we get to 64 low, Coleman's the only guy in the world who can get there. He runs 645. I think he'll be able to squeak it out. It's going to be tight like this one was. But he'll leave himself a little bit vulnerable. But if he can go six, uh, four low, 42, 41, no one's going to be near him. So I think this was a 
ideal race for Coleman in that he got his time and he was able to run it with some pressure. Yeah. I mean, Coleman couldn't have had a better start to his comeback season, right? Wins a good Milrose race against, you know, Bromel and Baker in, in sub 650 and then follows it up with a, a strong 645 showing consistency. He's not going out there running 659s. He's running only world-class times or all-time world-class times. And uh, I think he couldn't ask for a better start. And this got me thinking. I know we're probably putting thinking we're still not end of the indoor season. But gun yep. to your head, gun to your head, at a U.S. championships where both are trying because Coleman technically doesn't need to try to U.S. championships. Who are you taking in 100 meters? Christian Coleman or Fred Curley? Coleman right now. Over the Olympic yeah. silver medalist. Yeah. Because I think the same is true in the 100. I think Coleman can get to a place that these other guys can't get to yet. And we're talking, if you're talking six, six, four low, are you talking? Now I know, you know, not, not just Curly, but Bromel too, right? Bromel's running the nine sevens. So you got to, you got to factor him in as well. But I think if Coleman gets back to 2019 Coleman, I think he'll be fine. The problem with or the issue, the thing that's unknown is that if he doesn't, if he's just a bit off 2019 Coleman, because then you enter the realm of the Bromels, the Curleys, the Bakers, the Bracies, the Bednarics, the Lyles, the Knightons, the I could go on and on. I'm sure I'm missing some people. Makai Williams, even. Like they're all in that in that group. But I think if Coleman is able to go nine sevens, he'll be fine. You disagree? Yeah. <clears throat> um Maybe I think I'm doing it's it's just really hard to ignore what Curly did in 2021. Yeah. And it's yeah. really hard to like say three 60 meter races by Christian Coleman plus what he did two plus years ago equals better than Curly. That formula isn't there yet. And even if he wins world indoors, I think I'm going to need a 639 for me to put Coleman over Curly in the first week of the U.S. rankings. Because I feel like it's just well, so might, hard to, to take Curly off the top. Now, obviously, might give you Curly's never going to do this. He might, yeah. And if that's what I'm going to say. If, if Christian Coleman runs 639, then he is the new fastest man in the U.S. If he doesn't, yeah. Fred Curly still is. That's I'm, that's it. I figured it out. So Fred Curley, Christian Coleman, if you're watching, six thirty nine. Coleman's number one. Six forty or slower. Curley's still number one. Uh, yeah. I I would probably still have him one, but we can agree to disagree on that one. You want more data? Yeah, the race. That's fine. I well, I don't know when we'll have the race. <laughs> it might be a while till we have have the race. But nine seven six is. I know you're saying it's it's a couple of years ago, but all the markers are there that he's getting back to to that form. Yeah. But and again, he doesn't even need. 
I mean, indoors is kind of a bonus. I, I get what you're saying, though, for the purposes of preseason rankings. But it's like he could start running hundreds in April and May and then show you some consistent 9.8s. And you're probably like, okay, by championship time, this guy's going to be back in the 9.7s. Yeah, yeah. We're going we're to have 20 NHL all over again. Um, all right, switch, stick with the sprints. Uh, switch over to the collegiate side of things. Abby Steiner of Kentucky had another incredible race. This time at the SEC Championships, where all the times are always fast at the SEC Championships. Breaks her collegiate record, breaks the American record as well. Uh, 22.09 for Steiner. This is the part where you told me, you tell me you believed it all along and you've picked her for the last five years and you're going to continue to pick her. Is that right? Is that what we're doing? I did not pick her for the last five years. I picked her for the last two years. And each uh-huh. year, I had an excuse. Year one was COVID. Year two was injury. Year three, there's no COVID. There's no injury. She is the next great U.S. sprint star. And every time she's on the track, it's, it's proven, I'm being proven right. But 2209 mm-hmm. on an indoor track is moving. And I know U.S. has a medalist in Gabby Thomas. Mm-hmm. But like... I really, I'm, Hold on. I'm at first, oh, are we talking about rent? You just did a segment where you said you're not going to overrate indoors in terms of rankings. You're like, hold on a second. I know. I said, I know. I dude, that's, what's great about podcasts. You can just contradict yourself 20 minutes later. In this case, I'm contradicting myself <laughs> two minutes, two later. minutes later. Yeah. But here's the thing. First of all, Anivia battle who, what is she? What did, uh, Anivia battle run at the Olympic trials? Oh, she was twenty. She was twenty-one, wasn't she? I could pull. Yeah, that up. I'm, I'm bring up her uh, personal best. So she ran twenty-one ninety-five for third place at the Olympic trials. Nina yeah. Battle this year has run. Dang it! Uh oh. Gordon's point really Nina just hit a snag Nina. here. I know it's not as good as I'm not able to do it really quick. All right, well, moving 22, on. Thir- no, no, hold on. Battle has run 22.39. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Abby Steiner is a full 0.3 seconds faster than a woman who ran 21 seconds last year. Yeah, I don't. What I mean, what are you arguing right now? You're arguing that transitive she's make property. Team. You transitive I don't think property anybody- that's that shit. And Steiner is running freaking 20 seconds in the 200. I'm, I don't. Okay. Running 20 well, seconds. That's ridiculous. Obviously, but like she's running much faster than someone who made the Olympics who ran 2195. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I really think yeah. Steiner is a, has the ability to run in the 21876s. sixes. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. And if you're doing that, that yeah, you're, you could you, you could definitely beat Gabby Thomas. You could be number one. You could, dare I say it, challenge, you know, certain international athletes. Out there in the Caribbean and uh, the Jamaicans and the, the few. I mean, I don't want to say their names out loud because they're clearly better than Abby Steiner. Because you should definitely respect the Jamaican female sprinters. But I'm just saying, Abby Steiner, 2209, is legit. She's going yeah, look to. Look at the all time list. Look at all time list. She's yeah. number two indoors, indoors. Yeah. Only Audis run faster. So no one's disagreeing. 
that she's legit. She's obviously been legit for a while. Is she a favorite to make the team in the 200? I think, yeah. Metal is tough because we know how good the world is right now in the 200 with Mboma, with Thompson Hurrah, et cetera, et cetera. So, I, yeah, sub-22 is going to be basically required to make the team based on how fast they ran last year. And I think I think she'd be in the in the top three right now. I don't think that's that's crazy to say. No one's arguing with you on that. Yeah. I'm just so happy that I saw this three years ago. Jesus. I am too. Because that's what I do. You know what? Every, every I year too. I look at, I just look at the landscape and I just, I'm like, it's you. You are the person I'm going to ride until, until it falls apart. I've done that multiple times with different, sometimes it does fall apart. I've, I've ridden certain athletes yeah. where I'm like, ooh, and then they give me a, a little bit of moment of joy and then it goes away. But Steiner right now, it's looking pretty good. Yeah. I think this might be the one that I get 100% right. I won't bring up the people who you bet everything on and have lost on. I will not do that. Um, distance side of things, you want to talk about Nico Young? Yeah. Now, obviously, uh, this isn't like a like collegiate record or top two in the world all-time indoor performance. But Nico Young's kind of an interesting situation. He's a contender to win NCAAs at the 3K or the 5K, and he didn't run – two weeks ago because he was sick. And as we know, the 3K on the NCAA side is incredibly deep. So I was kind of interested how Nico Young will qualify. And I think it's kind of funny. I think it's just it's kind of funny. Nico Young ran 7.59 in a 3K. 7.59 in a 3K is good for, let's bring this up. Have top. 7.59 in a 3K. Gosh, dang it. Sorry. I'm, I'm messing with my, uh, my you're order. Ru you're ruining this clip, too. I'm ruining this clip, too. Right, 759 in a 3K is the equivalent to being like the 120th time in the NCAA. So he runs the 120th time in the NCAA, but because he did it in Bozeman, Montana, which is at altitude and a flat track, he gets an insane conversion. He got a... What is it? A 18-second conversion that brought him all the way down to 741. I just thought it was kind of funny that 759, 18 seconds later, you're now 741. And I think Nico Young could potentially win NCAA in the 3K or 5K. I think Wesley Kip, too, has shown flaws that he's not 100% himself. He got smoked by a Texas athlete at Big 12s in the 5K. But the Nico Young and Abdi Hamid Nur one-two punch at NCAAs could could have a Cooper tier Cole Hawker type run potentially for for indoors because they're both in the three and the five and there's not a true number one. Obviously there's people with fast times like Florida State kid and and um, Campbell kid and are all over the place, right? But I think NAU might be able to pull off a potential eighteen and sixteen points, which would be a lot. So we'll see though. Mm -hmm. What's the track record with people who get their qualifiers at conference versus in uh, two months ago? I don't know. I don't. I don't know the analytics of that. But I mean, just following the NCAA in general, there were a lot of people who thought they were safe who got bumped out because of last minute. Wait, I mean, two 
Oregon kids ran 354 in a mile at BU. Another Oregon guy ran 1321 in a 5K. The DMRs got faster. There was women's DMRs. I thought they were safe, but then ACC women's DMR was fast. Pac-12 had a fast DMR. Pac-12 was fast. Yeah. There were just all of these like, oh, typically you expect fast marks to come at conferences in the sprints because it's like SEC, ACC, Big 12 going for it. But to see fast marks this past weekend on the distance side was kind of a little bit of a a surprise, in my opinion, because um, yeah. typically you kind of put it all out there mid-February, and then you kind of just do sit and kicks conference weekend. But, mm-hmm. man, a lot of people still ran fast. And, uh, yeah. But, I mean, Brandon Miller ran a 145-800, which is insane. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, don't forget about don't forget about him in terms of – Qualifying for for U.S. teams, and Trey Cunningham. This isn't distance, but seven forty. He's got to get close to Grant's a collegiate record. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. could just do a highlights of all the impressive marks we saw. Obviously, Abby Steiner ran twenty two oh nine NCAA record. Her teammate from Kentucky, Alexis Holmes, ran fifty point seven seven, which is top ten NCAA all time. So Kentucky has a good one two punch in Abby and Alexis. Mentioned Brandon Miller, 145, number three NCAA all-time. It was 145 low. Uh, very impressive. Nico Young, obviously, with the 741 time qualifier. Trey Cunningham, 7.4 in the 60 hurdles. Man, I really wish Trey Cunningham could have been at U.S. Indoors to challenge Grant Holloway and then ultimately challenge him again at World Indoors. But yeah. we're not going to get to see Trey, who could you could argue the second-best hurdler in the world race the best hurdle in the world until NCAs is over. It kind of sucks. Um, yeah. And then also in the sprints, the Arkansas women's 4x4 ran 324.09. They broke the collegiate record by two seconds. That's a half a second per, per leg. It's insane. <laughs> and, like, I feel like no one's talking about it. I mean, they ran 324.09. They broke the NCAA record by two whole seconds. Very nice. Oh, I'm talking about it, Gordon. I'm in Arkansas, so I'm going to be talking about it. I'm going to try to figure out how they did it. That's my job the next couple of days. I'm going to do the same thing, uh, but on the pro side of things, for the other U.S. indoor races, and then we can chit-chat about the ones we want to. So Heather McLean wins a 15. Very dramatic race. She was fifth uh, with a lap to go. Moves up, and she gets the win. Josette Norris second. They both pass Purrier on the home stretch. Purrier qualifies in the three the next day. Her and Alicia Monson broke away, and then Purrier just dropped the hammer on that last lap, which was uh, mighty impressive. I, When I was watching, I watched the 15 after I knew what happened, and I did the same thing I did with the men, where I was just looking at it from a tactical perspective, and Purrier led basically the whole way, and the pace was it was fine, but it, it wasn't like ridiculously slow. It wasn't a jog fest, but it also, I mean, the winning time was, you know, 4.06, and I thought, you know, maybe obviously Purrier has the ability to kind of go from the gun and just run closer to four minutes on this 15. Perhaps that would have worked, but Norris and McLean are really good. So that was tough, uh, tough break for her, but she gets in. And then women's 60, the two women who have been running the best and most consistent for the U.S. all year get on the team. Makai Briscoe, 707, Mary Beth Sant Price, 708. Um, I just thought, it was interesting that held. Other than McLean, 
if you look at the running events, it was like favorites all around, pretty much. Like Lena Irby wins the quarter, Bryce Hopple wins the eight, Ajay Wilson wins the eight, Grant Holloway wins the men's high hurdles, you know, Cunningham wins the women's high hurdles, but you know, she's made teams before, so that wasn't a huge surprise. We talked about Coleman already. Like for how little information we had going into the meet, it was incredible how the person you thought was gonna win ended up winning. And even the runner ups too. Bohr, we thought Bohr would get on the team after Hawker, and that's where he ran in the 3K. Yeah, I mean, the all the, the, the on the women's distance, you know, it was Monson. people he thought would be in there. I mean, McLean was the one that's kind of the wild card, but at the end of the day, McLean also is an Olympian. So she was like yeah. the first wild card that you would expect and happen yeah, to yeah. pull it off. Um, and it was so, yeah, and Pure, team, she's training partners with Perrier, so it makes sense, right? If we put Perrier there, why not her training partner who runs every stride for her in practice? Um, yeah. Browser and well, Ewan, they threw well and shot. Yeah, the field events were kind of going to form as well. A couple little upsets here and there, but not anything too drastic. It was a very yeah. chalky meet, very chalky, lots of chalk. Yeah, the only thing that was wild was the – 400 for the men just because of the dq drama but yeah. when you if you told me before it's going to be bassett and brazier i wouldn't like beginning of the year i thought no williams trevor stewart based on what they did last year in prior seasons those guys the guys but looking at how they ran you know this year you're like all right there's, there's room for some of these other guys to factor in there and and so bassett and brazier going one two wasn't a surprise the thing with the purrier race that i thought was interesting and this is i'm just basically cannibalizing all the things i did for this week in track but whatever you're listening to the last 10 minutes of the podcast you get a little bonus um she was unlucky because and she did the look at the end and people are going to focus on the look of like she shouldn't have turned her head right because maybe that could have saved her the hundredth of a second over norris she was unlucky in terms of the entries you made that graph last week the women's 15 was one of the few running events where one, two, and three from last year's Olympic trials were there. And then you throw in Josette Norris, who was a legit contender last year. So you had, and then the, even the people behind that, like the Jones, Hiltz, et cetera, those people were really good too. So yeah. that event came to play. So she was in a spot where she didn't have as much room for error as some of these other favorites did where maybe there was one other person there, or maybe there was the fifth place person from trials last year, but there wasn't literally one, two, three coming back. So in that sense, I think she got a bit, a, a tad unlucky just on who signed up for the meet. All right, I'm gonna do a, a little experiment with you. Okay. You're a coach, you're a coach, mm -hmm. okay? And you have an incoming recruit. Mm-hmm. Distance runner. I'm going to give you two different recruits, and you're going to tell me which recruit you think is better. Okay? Okay. You ready? Okay. Ready. Recruit number one. Their times are 355 mile, 746 3K, 1327 5K. Recruit number two. Going to college? Is so they're going to the college? Or going from college no, to pro? No, we'll, no, say coming out of college. Coming out of college. Coming out of okay. college. So you're a pro. So like an you're agent. pro. You're an agent. Yeah, agent. You got a guy who's run 355, 746, 1327. And then now okay. you also have a guy who's run 
357, 744, 1318. So basically, yeah, 3Ks, arguably, miles. basically, the, the, the 3Ks are basically the same. 5Ks, a difference of 10 seconds, but a two second faster miler. Who you take? I'd probably take the two second faster miler. Okay. So the person who has the faster mile, the 355, yeah. 746, 1327, is an NCAA athlete who can't qualify for NCAAs because those marks are the 17th fastest mark in NCAAs. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Other, that's not a, it's, it's a composite character? That's a person. That's not a person? It's a composite. You know, the, the marks of the other person is Galen Rupp in college. Well, it's tough to compare Galen Rupp to a amalgamation of the 17th best marks. But I get your point. But like, think it's of fast this year. That's, yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. You were like, yeah, I'll take the guy who can't qualify for NCAAs over Galen freaking Rupp. And obviously, Galen's Rupp marks are from 2010 and earlier, so it's a lot. Times have changed yeah. over the past decade. But it's basically showing you 355, 746, 1327, not fast enough to get into the NCAAs. Now, sure, some people might scratch, so that 355 will probably get in. But it is insane what it took to be top 16 this year. Like, beyond insane. It's like albatross insane. What's your reaction to these what? crazy what? 17th? <laughs> what? I, I don't even know what Why word you, you said. I don't know what albatross. word that was, but... Let's keep going. <laughs> what are my reactions? I'm curious for next year because I want to see if it holds or is it just this year? Because I, I want to know the reasons why. And we've talked about why the reasons possibly could be, but I want to know why the reasons actually are. I mean, it made me – we always talk about competition versus times. And I know you ha you're limited in indoors because you can't have everybody – you can't make the season extend for forever. But it did make me think outdoors, if there was more of a run, if it was top 16, go to outdoor nationals like it is for indoors and there was no regionals, yeah. what sort of times do you think would happen there? I mean, it would totally change the way the sport is run, but it would, it would be interesting just to see how fast they would go. Yeah, when you know you only need to be the 48th fastest person in your, in your side of the country, you don't need to push yourself yeah. as much. Yeah, you just – a lot of guys just, and women just – you jog through, especially if you're a favorite. You have – if you're a – if you're really good, if you have chance for an NCAA title, you need to still – because there's not much of a gap. You still need to put out a really strong effort. Outdoors, to stay in the top 48 in your region, you can jog. You can and you cannot do that in indoors. Right? All the all Morgan the McDonald list. I do. I remember that. Yeah, at a in a B heat or something. But and listen, he had. I remember that same year. Maybe it was the next year. In he waited till Big Tens to get his qualifier in the five k. Um. So he he was moving. He was doing his best. I mean, he wasn't running a PR or anything like that. But he had to put a really. He wasn't doing it in the B heat of an outdoor race. So. Yeah, I don't I don't know what's the what's the correct takeaway from it other than I think next year coaches are not going to take anything for granted if they did this year. But I think it took what did it take? About half the season, maybe even a couple weeks into the season for coaches to be like, "Okay, I need to recalibrate 
what I think is fast and what I think is possible. Because we were guessing, remember we were guessing those DMR times and we ended up being on the conservative side. Like we were yeah. wrong. Yeah. I mean, I was texting back and forth with a coach this past weekend who thought they were safe in the DMR mm-hmm. and their time slowly got closer and closer to the, the cutoff point because of what was happening yeah. to ACCs, what was happening to Pac-12, potential at SECs, where you thought like, oh yeah, I'm in the, the good side of the top 12. It's going to be fine. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, uh oh, another team bumped you, another team, another team. So mm-hmm. um, it was probably stressful for a lot of the coaches out there who had athletes in like the 10 to 16 range who were like, wait, yeah. Another 354 mile? You got to be kidding me. You know? I, I know we'll never be able to create the exact same competition for everybody or the speed of the track. But I, li- I wish we could at least just make it possible. If I can wave a magic wand, everybody runs with the same altitude conversion and everybody runs with the same track conversion. I think that would be a little bit more fun to watch in my opinion. And I know it's not possible because there's not enough indoor tracks. And then you put the altitude schools at disadvantages because they have to travel more and all that stuff. But if there could be a, a, a tweak just to make it a little better, I just, I just, everybody was on bank 200 meter tracks without insane altitude conversions. So if someone runs, you know, a 1505 5k for the women, like, you know what that means versus if someone runs a 15, 45 5k but it's on a flat track and at 8,000 feet i will say though this was a year where altitude and track conversions really wasn't what caused the chaos because like in oh the i know mile, that i'm just saying it's, it's only easier to follow, two people have altitude conversions in the mile and both of those people are likely to scratch it's nico young and abdi hamander so yeah. like yeah. i think a lot of the i do remember when conversions became bigger, when people were throwing down faster conversions, everyone was like, wait a minute, why is Christian Serratos number one in the mile? Yeah. He ran a, a 402 mile at altitude on a flat track, and now he's 353. What's going on? Um, there was a little bit of debate there, but yeah. now the debate is I'm just <laughs> like, I just trained well, an athlete to run 355, and they're not fast enough to go to NCAAs. <laughs> it's insane. Well, though now is you got to get onto these. It's not you got to get onto the faster track. It just seems the the conversions aren't worth it. I I was just saying from like a fan perspective, like trying to figure out all that stuff sometimes can be daunting. Versus just like you know, a time they're in, they're out. It's like pretty clear. But yeah, I think the idea is you get to be you, or you get to one of these other fast tracks in the in in the country and take advantage of it and create a race for you. You mentioned those Oregon guys getting in. At the last minute in the Josh Kerr race. Perfect example. Wanna end the pod with this? Mm-hmm. We had a total of 90 athletes on the Division One side break four minutes in the mile. 90. Some had a flat track conversion, some had an altitude conversion, but 90 athletes. Athlete number 90 this past weekend. Ran 359.98. Hmm. Can you guess who athlete number 90 is? I know who it wasn't, and I'm really sad about it. Who wasn't? Our man at, Mount- Our man at Mountain West got like third. Wait. 
Wait a minute. Did he get in another race? Involving conversions. Oh, conversions. see? The conversion got me. Pancake? <laughs> yeah, Devin Pancake Woo! ran 359.98 converted. He ran a yes. 405, but yeah. doesn't get in Albuquerque. Converts to 359.98. Our boy Devin Pancake is officially a sub four miler. Uh, a converted right here, sub four It's our boy. I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he considers himself sub four. But I. I looked yeah. it up. I looked it up because I, I saw the Mountain West results and I was like, ah, he missed. But I didn't even th- see. Case in point: altitude conversions hard to follow. All these indoor tracks need to need to have, have, create uh, the biospheres or whatever, so you can create more, pump more oxygen in or something. Yeah. Um, well, congrats to him. Congrats to him. I, I, I'm very excited that he got the converted sub four. Great way to end the show. Thanks to our sponsor, Hoka, CLOX from Hoka. Check it out, Hoka.com. Faster forward. We're gonna have the uh, bonus pod. Coming up for members, so if you're not a member yet, you can join. Uh, you can join Gordon's team, my team. Doesn't matter. I, I won't take it personally if you don't join my team. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday. Um, we got this week in track coming out later on today on Monday, Tuesday. I'll do a race breakdown, probably of Josh Kerr, and then Gordon has his NCAA rankings, and I have my rankings as well. We got Tokyo Marathon coming. We'll have a special Tokyo Marathon announcement coming on Wednesday as well too about this show. Uh, before we go, though, we want to leave you. Yeah, just this. Uh, quickly, uh, this is something that got clipped out by Travis. Kevin, this is your live reaction to Gordon transitioning to the Coleman topic. Let me see. <laughs> You're baffled. You're so confused. You have no idea what's going well, on. What? <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be the uh, Gordon uh, as, a, as a college freshman picture. Um, <laughs> That's what I thought it was going to be. Oh, man. Because I couldn't contain myself. I just totally, totally uh, ruined that uh, that clip. But All right. Thank you, Cole. Thank you, Travis. Uh, we'll talk to you guys Wednesday. Thanks, everybody, for listening and downloading. Have a good one.